Johnston, is that right? A condominium. And that is in both of your names? Of course. I actually admired Mrs. Osborne as she sat in our crummy little conference room and so bravely defended her husband's standard of living. But my investigation had uncovered information of which Mrs. Osborne might not have been aware and of which I assumed it was my duty to apprise her. And there is the boat, I continued. That, too, is in both of our names. Everything is in both of our names, Mr. Carl. Including the condominium in Atlantic City? We don't own a condominium in Atlantic City. Are you sure, I said. Your husband's name is on the deed. There must be some mistake. Well, perhaps you know the person living in your husband's apartment, a Miss Tiffany Legrand? No. Let me show you a picture. What is this, a brochure of some sort? Yes, for a gentleman's club called the Pussy Willow. I'm referring to the section about the exotic dancers, the woman right there. Tiffany Legrand? Oh, so you do know her, I said, even though the shaking of her head, her dazed eyes, the death grip with which she now held on to her pearls, all of it stated with total clarity that no, no, she did not know her, had never heard of her, no. I ran into Winston Osborne again, the gray and tremulous fall of which I now speak, a full six years after I had begun my relentless search for his final dollar. He pulled me aside one night as I was entering my office building. His raincoat was grimed, his hair long and stringy, his once prosperous face now drawn and sallow. His fingernails struck me particularly. Where they had been manicured and glossy, they were now long, yellow, opaque with ridges. The fingernails of a corpse. Victor, he said, his voice still dripping with superiority, it's time you end your harassment of me, Victor. You should have your lawyer contact me, Mr. Osborne, I said, staring at his nails. I would, but I couldn't afford to pay him. Since the divorce, I've gone through a difficult time, Victor. With interest, Mr. Osborne, I said, you still owe almost nine hundred thousand dollars. My gambit with his wife had not worked as well as I had intended, and Osborne had been able to secret most of what little his wife's lawyer had left him before I could file my attachments. I have nothing left to give, he said. What about your car, Mr. Osborne, the Duesenberg you've hidden somewhere? It's not worth anything anymore. For your own good, Victor, leave me be. Turn your car over to the sheriff, Mr. Osborne, and we'll talk. I walked away, but even as I entered my building, I heard him shout, "'By God, man! I just want to be able to open a bank account like a human being!' I couldn't erase the image of Winston Osborne and his fingernails from my mind the whole of that season. There was a time in his life when Winston Osborne was everything I ever wanted to be. Now, as I struggled with the disappointments in my life, he was everything I feared I would become— the case we had been waiting for, the slam-bam, in-your-face case, had never arrived, and we, too, had bills we couldn't meet. Dunning letters came by the bushel full. We couldn't pay our secretary week to week, not to mention the office rent. One of my partners, Guthrie, had already bailed, and I couldn't blame him, though I did. Six years out of law school, and I was flat-out broke. One step up from the broken Winston Osborne I saw outside my office. But in that sad, gray fall, there finally arrived the opportunity for which I had been waiting. It was an opportunity rooted in murder, 
premised on betrayal, an opportunity that required the suspension of all I once held sacrosanct, but still there it was, and the only question was whether I was man enough to pay its price. William Prescott was the pride of his old and revered family. Skull and bones at Yale, the law review at Harvard, a former deputy attorney general, a former ambassador to some obscure country in South America, a pillar of the Republican Party, and the managing partner of Talbot, Kittredge, and Chase, the city's richest and most entrenched law firm. Out of law school, I had applied to work at Talbot, Kittredge, and Chase, along with 20 other of the top law firms in the city, and they had all passed on my offer to slave in their libraries and work outrageous hours so their partners could become obscenely rich. Cut adrift, I was forced to stoop lower than I could ever have imagined and work for myself.